Welcome to the Social Flight Live podcast, an audio version of our live show, hosted every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern at socialflightlive.com. Social Flight is brought to you by Aspen Avionics, Avidyne, Bose Aviation, Continental Aerospace Technologies, Lightspeed Aviation, Massimo Mighty Sat, Tempest Aero Group, and Whip Air. And now, here's your host, Jeff Simon. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Social Flight Live. I'm Jeff Simon. We have such a wonderful show for you this evening. The University of Massachusetts Aeronautics team is here just back from the International Design Build Fly Challenge, and we're going to get a little peek into the world of these uh, wonderful young adults and their adventure uh, along uh, this journey. It's really just, just such a cool story and, and just great folks to meet. Now, before we get started, a few things. First of all, Social Flight's Fly to Win Challenge is now in its last few weeks of this section. We are giving away a Lightspeed Zulu 3 headset, and that's happening on June 1st. So all you need to do is get the Social Flight mobile app and just get out there and fly. You can check in at uh, any airport, your local airport, and even if you only check in once, you are qualified for the drawing to win that Lightspeed Zulu 3 headset. If you do go to more airports, get more points, and get onto our leaderboard, you get additional entries in that drawing. And so some uh, lucky winner is going to go walk away with that Lightspeed Zulu 3. We are always giving things away here on Social Flight, and so uh, be sure to check that out. Now, I am very, very excited also because tonight um, uh, we're here and we have a brand new partner here at Social Flight, a new person, a new company to bring into the Social Flight sponsorship family. Um, I'll tell you that uh, it is our partners that make all of this possible. And our new partner is iFly EFB, the electronic flight bag. Uh, I was contacted recently by Walter and Juanita Boyd, the founders of both Adventure Pilot, which you may remember, as well as iFly EFB. And uh, I have to tell you, they, they reached out to me to talk about social flight and sponsoring it in order to help make all this available to general aviation and keep all of this going and also spread the word about this wonderful product. Um, uh, and to be honest, I, I wasn't really all that familiar with iFly EFB, uh, but as soon as I started using it, I was just blown away. It's incredibly simple to use, has just about every feature you can imagine there from uh, the most common EFBs that are out there on the market. And one of the really amazing things is that while all of, you know, while those electronic flight bags, those apps for your iPad, have just gone up and up and up in price and to the point it, it seems to make you choke, um, the iFly EFB is incredibly reasonably priced. And so you can just get out there and try it. And in addition to that, not only can you try it for free, but it's available not just on Apple devices, but also on Android devices. So I have found it incredibly easy to use and it has these amazing features that include things like synthetic vision and route planning and all uh, vertical approach planning for altitudes with everything that you're doing. There's just so much. We'll talk a lot more about that as time goes on, so you can you can learn that. But I would just uh, you know do yourself a favor. Go out, check out iFly EFB. I F L Y EFB. Check it out for your for yourself. I believe there's a free trial, as I mentioned. And be sure to thank them for supporting Social Flight and making all of this possible to continue and have us continue adding features and doing more to support general aviation. Now, for tonight's guest, I'm really excited. I believe that it's the personal connections that we make in aviation that really expand our horizons and give us a, a little bit of a view into a part of the aviation world that we don't necessarily may have exposure to in our routine lives. And so I've been grateful to have this opportunity just uh, uh, through my son, Jake. Uh, he is over at uh, University of Massachusetts in the mechanical engineering program. And, and his journey took him into the 
University of Massachusetts uh, aeronautics team and what's been happening there. And I've had this privilege of getting to see this incredible group of young adults literally building this program at a school that doesn't even have an aeronautical engineering major. And they were able to put this whole program uh, together and get it to the point that they were able to compete out in Tucson, Arizona in the Design Build Fly Challenge. They're going to tell us all about that tonight. Uh, we're joined tonight by Jake Simon, Ansel Markovici, and Brandon Lutz. So I'm going to bring them on the line now. Please help me welcome to Social Flight Live, the university, or at least a portion of the University of Massachusetts aeronautics team. How are you doing, guys? Good. Hey there. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, it's been so much fun to get to watch through pictures and things like that, what's been happening with your story uh, all along the way. I want to start with a quick background of, of each of you. So um, if we could kind of go, for us, it's, it's left to right, but if we could start uh, over there with Brandon and uh, tell us a little bit about what, what your major is and what brought you to wanting to take part in the aeronautics team. Yeah, absolutely. So, I am like Jake Simon here. I'm a mechanical engineer. And it's actually kind of interesting. I started off in college actually wanting to go into medicine. And so most people, they start off, they start in engineering and then usually realize, oh, I don't like this. And they switch out of it. And so I was in that kind of weird category where I started in public health, swapped into engineering. And a big part of that was I just, you know, I, I worked in EMS for a few years, saw medicine. I was like, God, I hate this. And <laughs> I was like, well, we got to change something and started doing engineering and kind of instantly fell in love with it. And what's kind of interesting about my background, especially, is it's almost nothing to do with aviation, actually. So my previous experience and kind of my interest in like kind of my future career is a lot with green energy, specifically uh, fusion technology. I don't know if you're familiar with Commonwealth Fusion Systems, but they're working on a device to pretty much put an artificial sun in a bottle and using it to harness it for limitless green energy. And so wow. you might be wondering, how do you go from there to then making model airplanes? And it was actually just over the summer. I just kind of got that itch for using my hands and making stuff and engineering and saw the aeronautics team and literally just saw like, oh, this is kind of cool. They're building a plane, like count me in. And I kind of <laughs> just fell in love. And it's kind of interesting how much it's grown on me, like just being around people who are so into aviation being around people with that similar passion really kind of just, it kind of gives me that itch. And I actually went flying with Ansel, but first time on one of the a smaller plane. Um, learned a lot. For one, I get, uh, I get, I get sky sick. Uh, we figured that out, but it's surprising that I just like, even though I like was wobbling out of the plane, I was itching to kind of go back and I was like, oh, this is really cool. So, <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Jake, a little bit about your background for those that haven't already seen enough of you on YouTube. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm a sophomore mechanical engineer uh, or mechanical engineering student at UMass. Um, my whole background being uh, your son has just been, uh, you know, everything aviation growing up in the back of the uh, Grumman Traveler and you know and you got your mechanics license and i just remember standing by the side of the plane holding wrenches and holding tools while you were working on the plane and um that slowly turned into uh ended up getting my pilot's license so i got my um i remember getting my permit uh for driving and the first time i drove on a road i drove to the airport to do my solo flight um so i did that on my 16th birthday which was fun and then it kind of rolled into when COVID happened, I had a lot of a lot more free time and we were working on the T-51 Mustang, which is behind you and um, started not only just that I had the time, but I got the itch that I wanted to do more than just fly and I wanted to work on them and know how uh, all the systems work and how you build them and how you uh, maintain them. So then ended up kind of accumulating all the hours into a spreadsheet and figuring out you know what I, what else I needed to kind of accomplish to get it went to a few other mechanics and then got my A&P license um, and then that kind of grew into going to UMass um, when I was here I really wanted to get the hands-on experience um, because in classes you learn this, um, a lot of the concepts and um, but 
you really don't get the hands-on experience until you get a little bit later on, maybe the end of your sophomore year, start of your junior year. So a competition team is the way to, as a freshman and a sophomore, jump right into the hands-on where you're using what you're learning in classes to start, you know, kind of building something in the real world. So like that's where the aeronautics team came about. Um, and I'm absolutely thrilled and uh, super thankful that I found, you know, everyone on the aeronautics team because it's completely changed my experience. Excellent. And Ansel, tell us about you. So similar to many of the viewers watching, I got bitten by the aviation bug very, very young. I actually don't even remember when I started loving aviation, but I've always, you know, looked up whenever a, a plane flew over and I had to tell whoever I was with exactly what plane it was, even though they never cared. Uh, but I started off, I would make um, little gliders out of chopsticks and uh, cardboard. And then I moved up to remote control airplanes. And then I started through um, the EAA Young Eagles program, which was a program to connect um, young students. Um, I forgot what age group, but young, young students with local private pilots. And I started taking those young Eagle flights and getting involved in general aviation. And then I started taking flight lessons when I was in middle school. And um, similar to Jake, I soloed when I was 16. I got my private pilots um, soon after. And ever since, I've always been in love with aviation. And recently, I came, or recently, four years ago, I'm a senior now, uh, when applying to colleges, I was looking for something with aviation. That's what I want to go into. That's what I want to do with my life. And none of the schools in the area, because I wanted to stay somewhat local, being from Massachusetts, um, none of the schools had an aeronautical degree. So one advantage that I saw from UMass is I actually saw on the website um, the aeronautics team. It was called the UAV team at the time, but I realized that even in the school without a program for um, aer aeronautical or aerospace engineering, there are ways to get that kind of um, aviation background as well as a higher up um, engineering design with aircraft and aviation and aerospace engineering. Um, hmm. So that's where we are now. Excellent. Now, well, you know, one of the things and the, the reasons I wanted the, all of you to come on the show and, and talk about the program is I'm always impressed with anyone who becomes kind of like a self-starter. And when when you all basically kind of came to the school or came into this year, at least the the program itself, you know, the aeronautics team really uh, needed to be kind of rebuilt by you. You know what what you guys did was as you mentioned, it used to be called something different, but you really put something together there a little bit from scratch. Can can you tell me a little bit about that story, Ansel? Yeah, so definitely. So I came in, I joined the aeronautics team or the UAV team at the time, um, probably the first month that I came to college, and I quickly got very involved and very excited. Um, everything was, it was a fairly new team at the time. It only existed one year before uh, I came in contact whether I became a member of it. And um, they never managed to get to competition because it was so new. They weren't um, as up to date with everything. So I joined and we had this big plan to go to the competition. The, the mission at the time was a banner towing bush plane. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever because in my entire experience before was all remote control airplanes with a maximum wingspan of about three feet. And this time I was going to a five foot plane that weighed almost 10 pounds carrying this big banner. I thought it was really cool, especially being surrounded by a bunch of seniors, being a freshman. Uh, I thought it was really cool. We would test the banner by attaching it to the back of a bicycle and ride around the quad. And everyone thought we were nuts, but I thought we were coolest people ever, which in my defense, we were. Uh, <laughs> and everything was great. And then COVID happened. And when COVID happened, no one thought anything of it. It was the two weeks to, uh, to flatten the curve. So we thought, okay, after that, we're going to go to the competition. And then... The next two years, there were no classes, everything was online, and the team, which was mostly seniors, has since graduated. So then post-COVID, the team was, I think, four of us, and none of us really knew that much about aeronautical design, aerospace engineering. Um, the most that I had was these remote control airplanes that I made out of foam board and styrofoam, and now we have to build this team up. So we first decided to change the name because it was called the UAV team. And every time I told anyone that we were a part of the UAV team, I would get the question, what is a UAV? They would, and if they knew what, the U, what a UAV was, it was either from a video game or they thought of drones. And I thought, we're not electrical engineers. We're supposed to be aerospace engineers. We designed the airplanes. We designed the airfoils. We designed the tails. Um, we do all the aerodynamic analysis. So I thought, you know what? Let's change the name to UMass Aeronautics. It sounds a little bit cooler. 
at better describes what the team is about. And from there, we just started recruiting a bunch of people, met these two wonderful uh, students, as well as a team of 25 others. And we, from the ground, just built it up. And this past year, we managed to uh, successfully go to the competition for the very first time. And I could not be happier. Wow. So let's make sure that let's get everyone kind of grounded on what the competition actually is. Uh, uh, Jay, can you lay out for everybody what the you know the baseline of this design build fly challenge is? Because this is international. So for folks out there, uh, you have connections with all different schools all across the United States. Um, this you know or relatives in in schools. This this is this is international. Yeah, so it's very similar to, uh, I like describing it to people as um, kind of like a competition uh, robotics team that is focused on uh, aviation. So um, it's an international competition run by AIAA, um, which is an organization um, uh, that um, does a lot of outreach for students, but is also kind of the center for a lot of aeronautical engineers and they run this competition called the Design Build Fly Competition. And it's this international competition that all of um, the big aeronautical engineering universities go to um, around the world. So there is teams from uh, Germany, uh, Slovenia, um, a few from China, a few from uh, Austria and Australia. So um, from Hungary. Yeah, a few from Hungary as well. Um, wow. And the whole goal is to uh, design optimize, manufacture, and then compete a remote control aircraft that is supposed to complete um, either welfare missions or uh, commercial missions or military missions. So every year is um, a different mission. You kind of start from scratch. They give out in September a, a set of guidelines and they don't tell you how to design the plane. They just basically say, this is what the plane needs to do. These are the uh, these are the rules. So you you know you can only use uh, an electric motor. You can only use um, uh, like commercial bot batteries, things like that. But the rest of it's on us, and we have to figure out how to first optimize it to figure out which mission, because there's usually three missions for each uh, for each year. We got to figure out which mission we're going to focus on because it's a balance between all of them, and how we want to kind of apply for each one. And um, then, we, you know, we go right into the conceptual design. In order to get to the competition, you have to write a proposal by the end of October. And that's mm -hmm. pretty much like how we're going to structure the team, um, what our conceptual design is, how we plan on manufacturing, testing it. Um, it's usually like around three pages and is basically how you get into the competition. So you really have to apply. Um, and then once right. you get accepted, then, you know, you continue. Um, and from the beginning of November all the way through the end of February. We're uh, designing the plane, making CAD models um, on XFLR5 and ANSYS, doing a bunch of analysis, doing test flights, building the first plane, um, crashing a lot. And um, then we write a big 60-page report at the very end, which is kind of part of the, uh, uh, part of the scoring. Um, you basically, you, the score multiplied by your uh, by your fly-off score um, is kind of your final score. So it's a mix of your design process as well as the execution of the plane. Interesting. And then, so, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, basically, and then after February, then uh, kind of rolls into April, and the start of April is when we do the fly-off. So every year it alternates between Tucson, Arizona, and um, Kansas, uh, where Textron is. Oh wow! And so I didn't realize there's so there's three separate missions and so it sounds like uh it sounds like there are uh, they're teaching you both kind of how to write a proposal but also how to figure out making trade-offs to decide how you're going to manage three separate things brandon can you talk a little bit about those three areas and kind of how you balance things like that yeah and it's it's actually really interesting like kind of a a cool kind of case study of this uh, was actually the first place team this year. It was, uh, they were the school from Germany. And <clears throat> they, one of the missions we had this year, so it started off, our first mission was on the ground, and we pretty much had to put the plane held up by the two wings and to see how much weight could rest on top of the plane 
to maximize pretty much a test of like the structural integrity of the plane. And then we had another mission where we had to carry a payload. And then the other a, mission was a picture I can show about that. Oh yeah. Is that is um, that what you're talking about there? Yeah, that's exactly it. So you can see it's just held up by just at the tips of the wings. And then uh, the way we thought about it is we actually really focused in on the two other missions. So that was attaching the antenna to the wing and mm -hmm. carrying the payload in the design. Mm -hmm. And what was really interesting actually is this other team completely looked at it like they weren't even outside of the box. They, they were about a mile down the road from the box. Like they, um, the way they approached it, they actually preloaded the wings. So like if you actually have seen like a semi truck on the highway, how those beds are curved up like that, it's kind of preloaded in tension. So that it was almost like a bridge. So they, they held just a ludicrous amount of weight on their design. Like what was the exact number? It was like hundreds of pounds. It was like 758 pounds it the this, first time and they might've got close to a thousand the second time. This like, this dinky little carbon fiber, like 20 pound airplane, and you see a picture of it, it looks like, looks like a power lifter is just going and stacking his weights on top of it. As like, <laughs> so, and they, I, I, was, I wonder how they even had the setup that could handle that much weight. Oh my God, I know. I, I almost feel like the competition, like they, they were looking at it too, right? They were like, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, like what do these <laughs> kids do it? But I mean, it's really cool to see how like they really focused on that. And that was a big learning opportunity for us. And that's kind of what led us into kind of like to increase communications with other teams. Because oftentimes, like just even being at the competition, talking to these other teams, you learn so much about they might have thought of something that we just didn't even think about. And so like a big thing we're excited for is we're having some partnerships coming up with some of these other schools to kind of meet earlier on and kind of tangentially design along with them and just kind of share some ideas be like, hey, how are you guys approaching this? And hopefully we'll learn a bit from them and be able to actually just everybody benefits from it and just get a higher score in future competitions. So what were some of the other things, Brandon, that you had to focus on other than just kind of like essentially mm -hmm. building a flying bridge? Oh yeah. So the other mission was the, the carrying the payload. And so this was the score of like to simulate an electronics payload. And so we needed, it was pretty much scored based on how many laps you can do by just carrying this payload. And for us, like our big goal, this, it, us being the first time we were actually at the competition, we were looking to get, I think it was like, we were looking for top 25 and very excited to actually hit that benchmark this year for the first time ever there. But yeah, we need to, we need to spill the beans to everybody that yeah. after never competing in this competition, not having an aeronautics major program there, all this stuff, where did you tell us where you guys came in? Yeah, so out of all the schools, the competition, we got 24th out of 99 teams. And we were actually, of the schools without an aeronautics program, we actually got the first place out of any wow. of the schools without an actual aeronautics program, which I was really excited for. Because I mean, like that team I was talking about before from uh, Germany, like we're talking to them and they're telling us about their $200,000 budget. <laughs> or there's, there's, there's the, the, the craziest story was when I, I get a call from Jake and he's like, you're not going to believe this. Like this other team, because like I was talking about the, the, the second mission was carrying a, an optimized payload. So the heavier the weight, the better your score. And this school was like, OK, lead isn't heavy enough. So we, we need to go heavier because you have to it has to be a specific dimension of six inches by four inches by four inches. So they just straight faced went to their department and was like, so we're going to need a, uh, we're going to need a six inch by four inch by four inch block of solid gold. And, and we're just hearing this and we're like, that's, that's just wild to us. It got denied. They didn't, it actually, didn't, it didn't actually come with a block of gold. We were trying to figure out how much that cost. Like how much is that worth? Yeah, they didn't but, do that. <laughs> but there, but yeah, people take it to a pretty far extreme but um it was really cool at the competition seeing how different teams approached um uh the same competition for example for us we you know really focused on the handling qualities of the plane this being our first plane wanting to make sure that the plane was uh you know just going to fly consistently because consistency is really what's going to uh, kind of uh, get you the highest score in the very end um but what was very interesting is we talked about the um the team from Germany where they basically built a bridge but the biggest thing is instead of designing the plane to be as strong as possible 
they completely flipped their thinking and said, well, let's build the structure that's holding the plane up. And that's what's going to carry all the weight. So put the plane in a preload, um, you know, building a structure that can really handle the, um, the plane. Basically, it's not just the center section of the plane where the weight is on that's carrying all the load. It's really the, the, uh, the device that's holding it. And it's a completely different way of thinking. Instead of th thinking about the plane, you're now thinking about the mission, uh, which is pretty cool. So we'll like use a lot of aspects of that for next year. That's fascinating. Wow. And, and the other thing, uh, when you talk about funding, so uh, how do teams normally get their funding and how did, how did you manage to kind of even get started in that regard? So all the teams gather funding through a, uh, a very of varying degrees of methods. Um, what we did is we had a mixture of both private partnerships as well as private donors and a little bit from the school. Um, mm -hmm. As we are a fairly new team, we don't have any of these big corporate sponsors that can give us, you know, easily values in the five, sometimes six figures, as you know, those very very high scoring teams have. Uh, but most, basically, up to now, all of our funding has been privately funded ourselves and right. we we're slowly getting bigger and we we're slowly getting more into the uh, into the engineering and aviation world to get more of, uh, more of our um, funding from partnerships as well as private donors. I mean, put this in perspective, you mentioned like one team having like basically $200,000 budget. Yeah. If I understand it correctly, this was the first year that you received any funding from the school. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and your total budget's in the like, pretty small numbers. What, what, what kind of budget were you guys, are, are you guys looking at? Our budget was about $10,000 and about $9,000 was just to travel. The number one um, team that, or the team that won the competition this past uh, season, it cost them $6,000 just to ship their plane. So <laughs> just the shipping of their team was six times the price of just our plane. That's crazy. But the cool thing about this year is, you know, we got uh, we got funding from the school and you know started getting support from the school, which let uh, us go without you know just having two people go to the competition. We were able to uh, uh, bring seven. Really and, first, actually, too. Yeah, and um, then uh, you know through the private funding, we were able to you know build a plane that we were very proud of. We got to the competition, um, ended up you know meeting our goals at the competition, getting uh, top twenty-five. And now, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the events that we've just had, um, but we're already starting to see a lot of interaction with some other companies, some other sponsors in the future. So it seems like there's uh, definitely a lot of hope of, you know, building up, especially, you know, just to next year. Um, it's looking like the, the resources that are available just from being able to compete for the first time um, yeah. is a lot higher. Success of being able to do something and demonstrate something certainly leads in, uh, to future success. That, that's for sure. You kind of proved to everybody mm -hmm. that you can lift yourself up by bootstraps and get out there. Um, tell us a little bit about that journey and what it was like to kind of scramble and get yourself to the point that you had something that you could take out to Tucson. Yeah, I guess even just before we even thought about building a plane like right at the start of the year like we were kind of looking back on the previous years and the biggest issue we kind of identified was the just involvement in the team was not what it was that what we needed for it to be even close to competitive so for like the first i would say even first like month or two it was really about how can we make all of these new members from freshman to senior just as involved as possible mm -hmm. make their voices heard and, and get them interested in aviation and so just brainstorming collectively as a team, making sure we're really incorporating people into the design. And on, on kind of one hand, like it, it is slower. Like if we really, really wanted to just like hammer design out and just have three people do it, like we absolutely could have, but then it would become time to building it and come time to optimizing it. And half our team would have left because they're just like twiddling their thumbs, not being able to do anything. Right. So one thing I was, Honestly, like probably like the most proud thing about the team in my mind is just how we got everybody so involved in this process early on to kind of like let them give their ideas to how to build this thing. And like freshmen and sophomores who didn't even know what like a, a spar is, they don't know what an airfoil is, 
all of a sudden learning about aviation, being able to actually design and build a plane. Um, it was really cool to see kind of that progression for everybody. Yeah. And if I can add something yeah. to that, uh, even though the competition is our main goal and we have to compete and score competitively, we are a educational team. We are a subset of the engineering department. And a beauty of this year is we had these people come in um, start of September, beginning of October. And again, they don't know what a spar is. They don't know what an airfoil is. They don't know how to design an airplane, let alone how a plane flies. And I always say it's like learning through fire, through a fire hose. You uh, or like drinking from a fire hose. Uh, you just have, we have to do something very quickly. And it's like this backwards kind of engineering, how we have to build an airplane and these people are still in physics too, learning what forces are. So <laughs> not only is this a very accelerated educational pace, uh, it gives a big leap above the other students that the people on the team have when they already know what this is, they know what that is, they understand fluid dynamics and structures and materials, manufacturing methods. And these are classes that are senior level, a lot of times grad school level classes. And you see by the time uh, a lot of the members are seniors, they end up getting jobs in the aerospace industry with a mechanical engineering degree. We've had past members who have done crazy things. The, uh, some of the past uh, members have gone to work for uh, like opener aero black fly. They make a, uh, this yep. weird like flying vehicle. Yep. Um, one of them is over at uh, Palm Bear, Arizona, working on the B-21. I can't tell you anything more. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's, it's really exciting to see the vast aerospace and aviation careers that have amounted just through this team, as well as with the department. But this gives you that leg up that you can be on the same playing field as people who have graduated from schools with advanced um, aerospace engineering and aeronautical degrees. I think wow. that's a, yeah, I was going to say, that's a, that's a big thing that I think helped us also just from, especially the beginning when we didn't even really have any ground to stand on to even go to the department. We had to really rely on our own members to be like, hey, like go out to your family, your friends, literally just going door to door and just having a team that was actually interested in the success of the team because they are also passionate about it was huge in getting us that kind of first leg up with just that initial fundraising blast that kind of propelled us into that kind of next stage to where we could take this to the department, ask the department for money and where some bigger donors were actually able to look at us and say, yeah, you know, y'all aren't just kind of just like scrambling around, just getting distracted in a random room over there. You're actually making what looks like a very competitive product here. And they were willing yeah. to very thankfully give us a substantial uh, donation. So, uh, it is kind of is the theme for for this program it seems there's so many different facets of of, of accomplishment and education that that go into the process and one of them is management so uh, jake tell me a little bit about how you structure how, because it's up to you you guys it's up to the team itself to determine what's our management structure going to be how are we going to create something that we can at one on one hand uh very quickly and under a lot of pressure uh, meet the whatever this year's target goals are and create an aircraft and compete. And then as Ansel said, on the other hand, you your mission is to educate. And so you want to take new people who are going to be the future of the club and teach them along the way. How are you structured? Um, so we definitely started the kind of like our goal structure um, this year where um, uh, Brandon was kind of the head of manufacturing. I was the head of... Um, uh, aerodynamics uh, and Ansel was kind of the overarching um, kind of like chief engineer and administrative and what that allowed us to do is have uh, kind of um, two people or or three people that um, uh, had kind of a general view of you know I'm gonna uh, analyze something and make what we call like a balloon body and it allows the manufacturing team to kind of uh, take that uh, balloon body and start creating subcomponents of that outside shape. Um, and then the kind of, as you go down from there, you start giving people um, like the center section or the ribs or things like that, um, where um, even like the tail, we had one team that um, uh, was kind of a subset of the aerodynamics group and their focus was how to build a tail. And the funny thing is we 
talk about this backwards engineering kind of thing that we have to do because you know we get tasked to build a plane and um, you know that group of like three to four people got tasked to design a tail of this aircraft and the first thing that they did was go online and read everything that they could to figure out you know first of all what is a tail what is the vertical stabilizer what's the you know what's the elevator and they're going through this whole thing and so it's really accelerated and you just got to learn really quick what it is and then you you know look at past competitions and uh you know i start reading all this stuff and you know really start to um kind of understand that and then under that which we're going to really start working on next year is um uh you know you have the kind of top view of uh, getting the communication together. So you have aerodynamics, manufacturing next year. We're going to focus a little bit into composites. So you have kind of the overview of composites and electrical. Um, and then you have this kind of subcomponents. So maybe you have the tail and then you have the center section or the landing gear or the propulsion. And, and then under that, um, try to create like a mentorship program where you have people working on the tail that have maybe a bunch of freshmen or people that are uh, interested in the team, but um, you know, either don't have the time to fully commit themselves to teaching them, you know, what a tail is on their own so they can come to the competition and learn how to build it. Um, but, you know, kind of start to get their um, kind of feet wet and uh, get to the point where uh, kind of the rest of the team is. And I think that's the general structure of the team. And that's what we're aiming for, where the majority of the engineering is done by the whole team, not just three people. And yeah. the higher up is a lot for communication. So let, let's talk about this experience again. Now, one of the things that you've got there, uh, which is kind of kind of cool, is I think one of the requirements was was what that the the aircraft had to break down to a certain size. Yeah. So um, one of the uh, key uh, kind of design challenges was you you had to ship the plane to Arizona, and sometimes you know you can just uh, you know FedEx it over. But for this flight or for this uh, competition year. They wanted us to actually be able to um, ship it in a checked bag. And the kind of reason for that is uh, if you think a little bit practically, you're building an aircraft that can be carried around the whole world. And then um, that plane has to so fit into checked bag. So the height plus the width plus the length is 62 inches and it's within the 50 pound constraint. And then uh, at the competition, they start the timer and you got to build it in less than five minutes and get it ready for flight. And um, it kind of simulates a real world simulation where you can um, take the plane anywhere around the world. And if you have to deploy it in less than five minutes, you have, you know, kind of the ability to do so. So as you see in the picture, this is, you know, there's a bunch of bubble wrap because we're getting the plane ready to go into the, uh, to be a checked bag. Um, which we were very nervous about, especially, you know, the plane. Um, a lot of the structure all goes through carbon fiber, but the shape uh, for all the aerodynamics is all through balsa wood and monocoat. So, you know, that stuff's a little bit more on the brittle side. So we're putting a bunch of um, bubble wrap on it to get it ready. And uh, I don't know if you have the picture, um, but so we had to do kind of around the world to get to Arizona, flying into Seattle. And once we uh, fly into Phoenix, um, you know, the first thing is we want to make sure that the plane got there and we want to make sure that the plane is safe. Cause well, so, so hold on, so you, you went by something really, really quick there uh, because everything's been on a budget with you guys. When I heard you were going from Boston to Tucson via Seattle, <laughs> um, <laughs> I certainly thought, that that that's an interesting way of getting there <laughs> yep um so that's what we decided to do um, <laughs> to save money <laughs> yep um so we flew from we drove to logan uh from amherst which is about two hours and then we flew to seattle got a connector to phoenix and then all jumped in a van and drove from phoenix to tucson which is about another two-hour drive um <laughs> So, yep, that was, and another big thing when you're doing a connection flight, you want to make sure that the plane actually connects uh, with <laughs> that you. Your bag, that your bag makes it. Yep. So that's another thing. But I don't know if you have the picture up, but we were waiting for the plane to come off the, um, to come out of the larger plane. 
and uh, you know, kind of go onto the conveyor belt into um, baggage claim. And we see a bunch of bags come out. And then we see this blue bag kind of just get nudged out of the plane and it's kind of rocking on the side and then it falls on the top of the conveyor belt, which is like 15 feet up. And <laughs> it falls and just smashes um, right into the this, asphalt. This and then is right so after bag that, that you're watching come off. Yeah, and right after that, we see our black box start to creep out of the plane. <laughs> and we're just standing there on the, on the window, like trying to make sure that, you know, all our fragile stickers get noticed. And uh, so thank, thankfully it was right in the center of the conveyor belt and went all the way down. And, and the baggage claim, we made sure to catch it so it doesn't hit that stop. Um, so yeah, definitely a nerve wracking experience. And, uh, and, and so you managed, you, you get there and, uh, and then the first thing that I got from you guys uh, at that point as any kind of an update was, uh, was, was this one, you finally get there and, 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 and you're able to pile into a van to get going. Yep. That's what we did. It worked out. So tell me about the day one competition. So the, the day before the competition, we spent the entire day traveling. Um, I remember joking, we left out of uh, Amherst and drove to Boston. I said for the first hour and a half, we were driving the opposite direction. Tucson's that way and we're going that way. Uh, but we, we ended up managing to make it all the way to, uh, to an Airbnb in Tucson. And then we go to the, uh, the competition site. And it's crazy. It's this big tent in the middle of nowhere because they don't trust our planes around uh, people or property. So uh, we get to this You're big- the boneyards, right? Excuse me? You're out near the boneyard? It's like the old, like- I wasn't even near the boneyard. I was they didn't even want us crashing yeah. into the planes that we're never gonna go back into service. Yeah, it was about an hour outside of Tucson. And if anyone knows, if you get five minutes outside of Tucson, you're in the desert. So then we were not even in the deep desert, but the middle of nowhere desert. So the only thing that was there for us to hit was a cactus. And thankfully we didn't hit any cactuses. Uh, but we get there and the coolest thing about the tent is we get there and look at everyone else's planes because we all have the same rules, we have the same constraints, we have the same objectives and we have the same rules. And all these planes were completely different. So I loved getting there and looking at all these planes. Some had single propellers, some had two propellers, some were completely carbon fiber, some were just cardboard and pieces of two by fours, some were completely 3D printed, some had no 3D printed parts. And the coolest thing was seeing the teams that were still building their planes when we were there. We thought, oh, we're not that bad. <laughs> but then there were also some other teams that really humbled us where you look at them and it's huge carbon fiber, pretty airplanes with lots of stickers and lots of corporate sponsors. Uh, but it was very exciting. And the first day was uh, like the first day of anything, really, really exciting to meet everyone, to talk to everyone, to see everything. Um, and then tech inspection started and we started going through uh, is your plane able to compete? And that was a uh, bit of a scary moment because we didn't know, did we miss something? Are they gonna, did something break? Is there any reason that they're gonna say, you know, the plane's not ready to fly? And in that case, we would have either had to rebuild the airplane and part of the preparation, I don't know if it's bad luck or what, but I looked at local hobby shops or RC plane stores in uh, the Tucson area and I found three and I knew which one was open at which time I thought, do we have to run there and make a repair or modify something? But fortunately we made it through tech inspection. Um, I would say with flying colors, but I think we barely made it through, but we made it through. And so, uh, so yeah. I, I, my understanding is, it, or at least explain it to me, did, did the, had the plane actually flown successfully by that point? <laughs> yeah, so we had a, uh, we had a couple test flights beforehand and the, uh, we originally had a different prototype and we go to fly it and it was a pretty windy day, but the plane was actually flying pretty nicely. And then the, uh, the plane kept on losing pitch control. I kept on doing these nose dives and we thought, did we do our calculations wrong? Did we miss something? And the, uh, our pilot, Jimmy said, I'm losing elevator authority. I can't feel the, the elevator at times. That's why it's pitching up and down so much. And then, uh, then he's flying along again. And then it, nose dives right into the ground and shoots into the ground and leaves just a puff of dust and a two meter crater. And we think, what happened? And it appeared that the, uh, 
the elevator servo, the wires that connect the, uh, the servo that controls the elevator, which gives you the uh, pitch authority, ended up becoming unplugged and went right into the ground. So then we, uh, we had to rebuild the plane from nothing because the plane disintegrated. And uh, we ended up getting a plane ready. Um, Did the testing of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lucky enough, got to the competition and got through tech inspection. Got to compete. You tested it. Had you had you had it airborne, the new one by that before then? Yeah, we were. Yes, we did. We were really. really, <laughs> really yes, we did. Okay, was, next question. Uh, yeah, next question. question. <laughs> it flew perfectly. Yeah, we we so, tried to keep that as short and sweet as possible that first test flight because we were like at this point it was like a few days before the competition. We were like if if this thing. Like are like keeping our fingers crossed. Like, if this thing falls out of the sky a second time, like we're doomed. Like that's it. And thankfully, we had a working plane, passed our inspections, and lucky enough to get through all the competitions. Uh, so tell us about what we're looking at here. So that is kind of at the end of the tech inspection, um, where they go through the whole plane, make sure you're following the rules, and then you do a bunch of different. Uh, uh, tests for uh, making sure you can get to rated power, making sure that the receiver uh, is um, kind of always talking to the transmitter. Um, it has to have a fail safe. So in case um, the transmitter loses connection with the plane, it doesn't just get, keep flying into you know someone's house that's 200 miles away or whatever. Um, but you know it has to go full right aileron, full uh, right rudder, and up elevator and cut the power and basically put itself into the ground just you know for safety and everything like that um, right so that's what we're doing right now and what we didn't realize um, in this test that we you know started to figure out through this whole competition is the heat of Arizona um, you know we do all we did all the calculations for strength um, especially aerodynamics but you know, really making sure that the whole plane is sound and we get to the competition and it's in this whole new environment. And, you know, it was probably in the mid to high 80s when we were at the competition, but the sun was, um, you know, the UV index was so high and we were on the tarmac for so long that um, the temperature between the, the tarmac and the plane uh, must have gotten to crazy temperatures. I mean, it was it was melting some of these 3D printed components. And for that to happen, it needs to reach like about 200 Fahrenheit. And so like Jake told me this at first, he was like, you're not gonna believe this, but uh, our landing gear literally just fell off cause it like melted and just fell out. And I was like, there's, there's no way, like it has to be something else. There's no way it got to like 200 Fahrenheit, but it was literally hot enough to just melt the plastic. Wow. Wow. That, and, and I'd also imagine that it's got to be, I mean, what you worry, what I'd worry about if I were in that is, is of course, you know, a, a crash or a problem right there. Was it heartbreaking to see, uh, did teams have, have problems with that? Yeah, a lot of teams, um, especially, you know, the ones that you expect to, you know, be really, really good. Uh, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, some of them did crash, but the really cool part was after every single crash, they ran gathered the plane and immediately started rebuilding and a lot of those teams actually were able to compete again um kind of in the later rounds um and got to kind of restart their missions it was cool that there was a bunch of teams that had very fragile airframes and had catastrophic um crashes and the next day the plane is perfect like nothing ever happened and my question <laughs> is did they get any sleep last night or how much energy <laughs> drinks did they have uh, but it was really cool to see that uh um, energy and go get a spirit to know that like you know even though we had this catastrophic failure we're going to rebuild this plane in a couple hours and I that's one of the real beauties of the team and the competition yeah. spirit. We so, almost so have tell, tell me about the flight go that the actual flying that you did then how the actual flight and the competition go? Yeah so um, the the first flight was a little bit on the sketchy side because we ended up using the same motor as the crashed planes motor for some random reason. And so uh, it probably was, uh, you know, not 
fully cleaned out, um, must have had, you know, some problems, a lot more friction that it was designed to have, and um, uh, was definitely underpowered for the first flight. So we were just, you know, praying that, you know, it was able to make all the turns and everything like that. Um, we ended up quickly getting the motor swapped out for the second and third flights, and then it fl flew absolutely beautifully. Um, I remember you showed me that that video, and you literally see the plane, and it like it's going, it's going, and then you it just like starts nose diving, and our pilot Jimmy literally saves it. Like it's like you hear the whole audience go like, <sighs> and it just like he saves it last minute. It's like it's literally like ten feet from the ground, it just pulls up, and there's just this like collective like. Thank yeah, God. everyone starts clapping, and this was very similar for a lot of the, you know, you see a plane almost go down, and then the plane, you know, the pilot, you know, fixes it, and everyone starts clapping and stuff like that. Um, Meanwhile, our hearts stop. Yeah. And then the second part about the competition, so we talked about, like, the high heats, and at the very, you know, at the very end, we were sitting on the tarmac for 20 minutes, and we started... Uh, you know, noticing the landing gear start to, you know, <laughs> you know, slowly come out from because the, the heat set inserts and the epoxy start to kind of degrade. And um, you kind of get when you're a part of one of these teams, um, you know, we try to do as, you know, the, the best we can and think of everything. But going into next year, we we thought a lot about the design and a lot about, you know, how the plane would work and everything. But you we didn't think enough about the environment. And um, where, you know, next year, uh, we're not only going to think about how the plane is designed and how it'll fly, but how are all the components and all the, um, you know, all the ways that everything is secured and held together going to react to higher temperatures or colder temperatures or uh, higher wind or uh, anything like that. So like going in one of these teams, you even you know the freshmen that were there got to immediately see like oh we got to start designing for the environment as well and it's a really cool experience to um, do that because it's something they may teach in classes but uh, you know maybe it gets overlooked or uh, it's just a small uh, topic to hear about it yeah so it's a uh, it's cool where you kind of get a lot of the different kind of engineering aspects that absolutely um, I, I want to um, also just give a quick shout out to everyone who was able to make the trip out of that that you were able to uh, afford to bring out there if you want to take us through who's in the who's in the picture here sure so I can uh, I can start off from my left to right so we have um, uh, Jordan on the left then we have me then we have Lithra uh, then Nate then Jimmy who's our pilot and Jake and Ruan and everyone there um, is a freshman and a sophomore except for me so it's really cool that those um, those two years of students will be able to compete on this team for the next three or four years and having the chance to go out to the competition and see what are the things we did well and what are the things that we could have done better and what are the things that we just did plan out incorrectly, um, things to fix and things to think about for the next uh, the next many years to come. And I do like the idea of in the future keeping a bunch of underclassmen going to the competition and not just being seniors who end up graduating. They, uh, they have a chance to really have some time to think about it, have this like iterative design process to see what do we do well, what do we do incorrectly, and how to uh, score very well and very competitively in the upcoming years. That's great. Um, the other thing that I, I like and I want to point out is that uh, you guys have been involved in a fair amount of kind of community outreach here and in part of raising money for the, uh, for the team, uh, you had a, uh, a fly-in recently that I was fortunate to go to. It was a lot of fun over at the Northampton Airport. Uh, uh, Jake, tell us a little bit about the uh, the fly-in and, and what the plan was there. Yeah, so we first, uh, you know, we want to kind of increase our, the, the very baseline, you know, we want to increase the amount of money that we have in the bank so we can, you know, next year have a better plane. But uh, the next thing was, you know, what if we could merge uh, something like that uh, but really start getting into the community and finding people uh, with uh, either expertise or people that are um, willing to uh, kind of help out the team. Um, and the other thing that kind of turned out of it, so um, is uh, a lot of the people on the team joined because, you know, they came from mechanical or electrical engineering, uh, but are really interested in aviation and always wanted to get their pilot's license. And a fly-in where you're around a bunch of planes and you're talking to pilots um, really uh, 
kind of um, it was really cool to see because a lot of people that gave them the push like okay I'm gonna go get the license or I'm gonna go take the written and see how I like it or go for the first flight um, so that was really great so basically last or two weeks ago we had a pancake breakfast um, at the Northampton Airport um, where we made, I think, over 500 eggs. We had a bunch of people on the team, uh, you know, cooking eggs and pancakes and sausages. Um, so that was super fun. We had a huge turnout. We ended up uh, uh, feeding a little over 125 people and had uh, somewhere in between 20 and 30 planes fly in from uh, kind of various places around uh, New England, which was uh, really cool to see. And the even the the cooler thing with that is a lot of the people on the team uh, were walking around the airport and talking to flight instructors and we got to go out for a few flights and um, so that was really great and we're starting to see we already have two people on the team that are going to start there yeah, so that's a that's a picture we we're going up for a flight um, right after the competition um, and we're already seeing two people are committed to getting uh, their written sign-offs are going to go through the ground school and take the written test and seems like the increase in resources you know we have a few people on the team that have their license but um, you know a lot of people it's they may have the resources but they don't know where to go and they don't know the steps and having uh, people at the airport to talk to and going up for their first flight and talk you know walking around seeing the planes seems to be like really great to not only like increase their uh, interest in the team but you know get into general aviation or go become a pilot or something like that and this is a, I, I love this this is obviously the the team uh, uh, or, or most or a good chunk of it there um, and the folks that we were able to take up flying on that day so um, tell us where folks can can go and learn about it what online on the website uh, etc and and maybe even donate to help you guys go yeah, so we have a new website up. Um, if you go to the UMass Amherst engineering site, you'll see the design build um, or the design build teams um, section right on the uh, website. And we made sure that we took out the UMass of UMass Aeronautics and put ourselves first on the alphabetical list. So we're, uh, we're right at the very top. And if you click, that's how you get right to the website. So it should be blogs, uh, .umass.edu slash aeronautics, but you can get there right through the um, site. You can see a little bit about the team. We have all of our bios. Um, we have a, um, a description of each mission and how we did and videos if you want to see um, uh, just kind of like a sneak peek into every mission in Arizona. And then we also have a donate page as well. So there's something uh, kind of a school-wide, uh, very similar to a GoFundMe. It's called a Minute Fund. And um, the link is right through there. So if you go into the uh, UMass Engineering site and to the t to the Teams page, you'll see us right there. And um, we you know, not only love the support, but uh, if you want to reach out to us, I think the email is umassuav at uh, gmail.com. And uh, if you just want to get talking with the team or talk about aviation or um, anything like that, we'd be more than happy to talk. Excellent. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, Jake, Ansel, Brandon, thanks for taking time this evening to join us and help spread the word. Obviously, to everyone out there, there's 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 programs at so many universities all across the country that are take part in this. And so uh, it, it's just a great opportunity to get a get a view into this and to help drive support for every school's program for their aeronautics team and their ability to compete in the uh, International Design Build Fly competition. So thanks so much, guys, for uh, for joining us here on Social Flight Live tonight. Thank you for Thank having you. us. Thank you. Absolutely. Have a wonderful night. You too. you too. Take care, guys. And thank you to all of you for joining us again here on Social Flight Live. I'd like to do another quick shout out again also to iFly EFB, as you can see here. Go check it out their website, and we're so grateful for them for supporting Social Flight and continuing that. It really is a, a very, very cool product uh, and extremely economical, so go and uh, please go check that out at iflyefb.com. Now, next week, we will be back on Tuesday, May 23rd with Ricardo and Anata Leon 
from Level Aviation. If you uh, have ever come across Level Aviation's products, they make uh, so many different things, but one of them is like the bomb, it's called, which looks like a little bomb that, that hangs off aircraft, uh, especially for aircraft that don't have electrical systems and adds ADS-B and, and things for that. They make uh, different types of, of autopilots, a lot of technology, but it's really a family business and a remarkable story of really creating this family business for, for aviation. And, uh, and they do many other things, of course, in, in electrical and uh, mechanical engineering as well. So be sure to join us for that show. They've really got a great story. We're then uh, off uh, for May 30th, uh, away flying, and we'll be back on Tuesday, June 6th with Dan Greider. Uh, he's gonna talk about AQB and lessons, AQP, excuse me, and lessons for safety. So be sure to check that out. It's really going to be an extremely informative and educational show with Dan Greider here on Social Flight Live. Until next time, I'm Jeff Simon for Social Flight. Blue skies.